Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term play value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, official show of uthdynasty.com, entering week six. And we're going to be talking about streaming running backs. It's already been a laundry list of running back injuries, spot starts that dating back to July or August, we didn't know this is where we'd be. But I reiterate every single year that that it is a turnstile of a position where the backup replicates the starter, in my opinion, more than any other position. There's a huge downturn in talent at quarterback to think that there's a one-to-one relationship. Uh, it's not one-to-one at running back, but it sure is 75% or more from many of the backups and sometimes close to 90% because those backups don't have to deal with a backup of their quality anymore. It actually gets cleared out. So we're going to talk a lot about streaming running backs, the concept, where we are, state of the union across some depth charts. Uh, I do want to remind folks, you know, if, you, if you're if you interested into a long-form discussion uh, that I do every single week on every backfield, that's the uh, running back roundup. Uh, just recorded it. It's already out for this week, but do that every single weekend season. You can get that with the UTH premium subscription there, uh, the premium shows. But but Katie, where do you want to start with the, let's start maybe on the macro of streaming running backs uh, and just globally of this season, what's their role and how do they fit for dynasty teams? Yeah, I think anybody that's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows that I don't pay market value for top running backs unless like absolutely pinched. And our philosophy is in year one, running back means the least to your team. You're trying to build a core. You're trying to accrue future picks. So trying to get those streaming type backup running backs in your startup draft that will at some point get value. And right now is that some point for many of these teams. And we look for it. It may be an ugly looking running back by committee on your dynasty roster until you get to week four, week five, week six. And then all of a sudden you're the one with all the gold and everybody else is coming around trying to shake that tree. If you're in a position where you're five and zero or three and two, and you think you can make the playoffs and you've got some of those streamers, guys like Alexander Madison, Damian Williams, Chuba Hubbard, they can get you through these weeks until the other guys get back. If the other guys aren't on your team, you've gotten to this point already to be successful. And if you aren't in contention, these are great sells. Even if you're not trading for a boatload, and each situation is going to be different because it depends on how long the other running back is out. But somebody that's four and one and just lost maybe one or two of their running backs, they'll pay whatever it takes because if they lose three, four games in a row while they're waiting for their starter to come back, that could potentially knock them out of the playoffs and out of the money. 
And a lot of people just think about this year. And that's where you can make some trades that will benefit you. Yeah. I think the thing you said right there, which is kind of comparing if you're collecting backup running backs, which means at various points in the calendar, you're going to have excess. Uh, You're going to have, I always say, you never know how many you're going to need, which is one of the biggest points. You might some weeks have five starting running backs. You can only start three or two or four, and you have some on your bench. I had that situation this past week. It was a glorious bag of riches this past week with guys like Chuba Hubbard. I thought he was going to be a better start than the week before. Damian Williams into the mold, into the fold. And uh, we got Alexander Madison, you know, the both times we've used him, we haven't known till Sunday that that for sure this looks good. Dalvin Cook not playing, you know, and, and clarity enabled. Let's let's the fast track forward with this. So, you know, you're kind of going through the weeks and Joe Mixon, another one we didn't know. We didn't get the clarity with Samaj AP Ryan. And Joe Mixon ended up playing. So you have these situations that some weeks you may have a lot and you're like, oh, I got too many. You know, I should have sold one. But you may get into the situation with a lot of injuries. You may have uh, Edwards Hilaire and Barkley on your team. You might be without McCaffrey. You might be without David Montgomery. There's so many guys that, that oh, well, now I'm without. And so these backups are highly valuable. And I think it's hard to see in August, July, obviously most of the offseason, when you don't, you know, you don't, March, you don't really have a good gauge on who, who's going to be a backup and who's not. And that's a different conversation, you know, in a different time of year on how to manage that. But you have the chance. You're going to end up cutting some of them, and that's okay. But you get so I think September is always sort of a bonus for getting streaming starts like this. And it just gets you onto a good path where two and two turns into three and one because you had uh, a couple of running back starts that helped you. But it's really the bye weeks, I feel, because I see so many teams out there and I couldn't live this way. And, and I'm sure you can relate and, and know some teams in your leagues where they have like, three running backs on their roster total. I mean, what, how do you... like? I, I've seen some teams where it's like they had Dalvin Cook as their starter. They've got one or two other running backs, but they're random guys. And it's like, I, do you, you have, I know it's a start one running back, but that means you have to start five wide receivers or whatever. Like you don't have the flexibility to hammer somebody with a bunch of starting running backs in a given week. And if Dalvin Cook... like, It just seems like all your fish... You know, all your are in one barrel. You know that you are. If Dalvin Cook goes out, my season may be over. And I, I just work the complete opposite of like I. You know, if I lost J.K. Dobbins and Acres and Etienne and somebody else, like I still want to be okay. I still don't want running back to be like, well, I'm done. Just wipe my hands with the season. I failed. I flunked because of injuries this season at running back. So that means I'm not competitive even though my, the rest of my team is pretty good. Uh, like I just I see so many teams light at running back, and you may have a couple starters right now, but you have no margin for error. And that's one of the biggest things. I feel like the backup running backs give you outs. They give you outs to benefit greatly with trades or your lineup, but it gives you outs in case things go sideways a little bit for you. Yeah, and every year it happens. It isn't just exclusive to this year. We've had a lot of injuries but it's really no different from last year, the year before, the year before. Knowing that and, and planning for that, again, the roster doesn't have to look sexy in May or June or July. How's it looking right now? And you want to be in the plus. You want to be the seller if you choose. And that's the thing. If yeah. you put yourself in a position where you only have three running backs 
two of them are hurt and one of them's on by, now what do you have? Now you either have to buy your way out of it and that's just chasing. You don't know which running back is going to be healthy in week 16. Right now, you, you don't know that. So which one do you go for? Well, do you go for a guy like Elijah Mitchell who hasn't even started in a, in a bit? He hasn't done much, but you think he's got potential? Or do you go for somebody that's a bigger name that has done well, something that, and then you trade all your future capital? It's like the cup game, though. You're, you're, where is, you know, where is the, the queen? You know, you're looking at, uh, you know, that you're, you're, you're going to get swindled on, the, on the, the boardwalk, you know? Try to find, find the ace, find the queen, find the ball under the cups. Like, where is it? And one of my biggest things, one of my biggest aha moments when I started tracking my trades, the ones that turned out the worst was mid-season, late-season of a competitive team Bu- trying to buy running back, trying to buy a role, buy a productive guy. I think half the time, the guy over the last four, five, six weeks of the season, because guess who I was buying? I was buying a, a running back that had been healthy until that point in the season. So the odds are not super strong that they're going to be healthy and around for me and productive and the right matchup. Like in all this stuff that that will determine, that's not making a dynasty trade. And my worst one was was specifically, it wasn't other positions. It was buying running back because it is such a short-term environment of offensive line, offensive quality, the matchup, the uh, the game script potentially, and being healthy and around at the end. And we're not done. Like I track this stuff. I got to, you know, this is one of my things over the years is tracking running back. That's why I do a whole show every week on running back. We have 28% of the depth depth charts have already missed a game and we're still accruing. And we have already 9% have missed missed, either they're out for the year. So they're already declared as 16 games, 17 games. Uh, 9% of the depth charts have already missed five plus games or are guaranteed to miss five plus games. And just to give a point of reference, the average number for that five plus games missed over the last four or five years is 31%. So we have almost a quarter of the depth charts if you're going by the averages. So we have another seven, eight depth charts that are going to miss five plus games that haven't yet. So there's a ton of streaming starts out there. Now, who's it going to be? Is it going to be McCaffrey, you know, misses another game. He comes back, he re-aggravates, he's done for the year. Is it, you know, who knows what depth chart it is? Could be someone that's already missed a little bit of time. Could be a brand new one. But it's a lot of them. So you sit here right now and you feel great, but it could. These are just dominoes to fall. And historical numbers. I mean, more than half of the depth charts are going to have missed games by the starter of for, projected for week one. And now, who who's a starter is now? That's who counts as more missed games. And I, I just think Alexander Madison, Chuba Hubbard. These are good examples of of just stepping in, being the unquestioned starter. And we have a ton of these guys just because, I mean, we've said before with guys like Kareem Hunt, what's his upside? Or Nick Chubb, if the other guy's out. Pollard, holy sweet baby Jesus. I mean, what's the upside for Pollard if Zeke is out? AJ Dillon, Javante Williams, Jamal Williams, James Conner. I think Jeremy McNichols, big time starter. We got Damian Williams right now, pretty darn clarified. Daryl Williams, pretty darn clarified. I mean, that's about half the league, plus a few other guys that I didn't mention that are absolutely clarified and there's strong upside 
And many of them I named have had zero missed games so far. So <laughs> just, just know it could be three or four of the ones I just named as critical month-long or beyond starters this season to change. And if you don't have them, and here's the thing I love. If, you're, if, if somebody, your league mate has the starter and you have the backup, you benefit even greater. It, and you always love that, Katie, about the whole it takes away from a competitor and now you benefit and they have a minus. So that could be the difference of a bye week. That could be the difference of a critical matchup down the stretch that you need uh, that could determine who wins the league just based on the have and have nots of, of these types of depth charts down the stretch. Well, and also if you see one team just getting hit with injury after injury and they're trying to put bandages on there by hook or by crook, those are the ones to target for their future picks because it won't take but another couple of injuries. And then all of a sudden they're out of ammunition. You've got their future. And now they start to lose all their games. Yeah. So what's your, what's your, you mentioned it uh, a little bit in the open that, so what's your general, you're not a big buyer, right? We like to collect for waiver dollars or in the rookie draft um, add-ons to trades. So I don't find myself buying running back unless maybe I'm pivoting from a running back to a different one in a package or picking one up for cheap. And by cheap, I mean, I like to try to find clarified guys of profiles that I like for thirds or cheaper. Um, and, and generally selling, like you, I'm pretty stingy in someone's a clarified start. I, I aim relatively high. Otherwise, I'll just keep them. Like I have no problem just keeping them. Uh, burning them if that's a few weeks. Even if I don't use them during those weeks, it's nice to know I had them in my back pocket and I'm keeping them away. If you didn't want to pay the price, that's okay. I'll just keep them. If they turn into dust in the off season, so be it. Exactly. You didn't pay a high capital to have them in your roster, in your uh, on your bench. And if somebody doesn't want to pay the price, okay, well, then you don't get their services because they're worth more to me to keep them away from you than they are for me to boost you up. It's a clarified start. What's a clarified start worth or three of them? Or like Damian Williams right now is a, it's a really interesting like mid-range option in the sense that you know he's, he's on the older side, but he's a clarified starter. And we knew going into this past week, okay, it's going to be about a month. Plus or minus, it's going to be about a month. And that's not season ending for David Montgomery, but it's also not a one-off, one-week thing, which someone like Devontae Booker, for example, may be a one-week thing. You know, Chuba Hubbard is sort of between those two. It's probably going to end up being two starts, maybe three. Uh, so th- I think uh, the month spectrum and when bye weeks are just starting and you've got injuries going around, that's the type where you want to throw a second as like a contender or a guy that, I mean, you're probably not 0-5 right now trading a second for Damian Williams. So it's on the later side of the round, and I don't even like really conjure a thought on that. Like I always view it as sell for a first if you sell, a second, eh, you know, I'll, I'll probably just hold, and then a third, like, like not even a conversation starter for a third and a player. No, I got the guy that's actually starting now. Yeah, uh, Tim and I in our in our eliminator. We got Daryl Williams in round 14 and Samaji Pirine in round 16, the final round. We were going for those types of backup running backs, 
same principle. You can't pick up guys off waiver in the eliminator. Any, any kind of best ball where you're not going to be able to pick up guys off waivers, some best balls are like that. You want to have a variety of guys that can help you win at different times during the season. You look at the season in quadrants or in quarters or however you want to break it down. You got early season, you got mid season, you got late season, and then you got playoffs. And so if you don't have that kind of depth, you're either going to have to pay for it or tank and and say, thanks for the season. I'm out much, much better to be in the position of having than needing. And classic examples are a few years ago, you know, we see, um, who was it? Was it Kareem Hunt at that time with the Chiefs that goes down? Spencer Ware played basically one game and it turned into Damien Williams and he won the league. Uh, The stories of years ago, Tim Hightower coming out and being a week 16 darling with a clarified start. And, And these things, again, when you get season ending injuries, and we're just getting to the midseason point of this. Like you mentioned, you're kind of a third of the way through the season. Now we got another four or five weeks, but bye weeks aren't going to stop until basically the playoffs. And so you've got a, uh, what is it, eight week run, two months or so of bye weeks every single week. And when you start taking guys out with bye weeks for lineup consideration, you've still got injuries that are going to start mounting and they're going to include in uh season ending that man it just you get to the end of the year and let's let's face it wide receiver streamers off the waiver wire are not the same thing there is not you know like no one viewed quintes cephas of like oh no tyrell williams or no kenny galladay from last year or marvin jones or whatever it is and you're like oh like that's it it's gonna gonna be a one-to-one wide receivers have a tougher road tight ends you might get a tight end stepping in and they're just largely ignored because they're just not as good. There's not enough good ones in the NFL. But running back, there's a lot of good ones. A lot of good guys that are maybe searching for work. Running back threes right now, just buried. And they, they need the perfect storm to get out there to actually get touches. But they can do it. Run it we, we say, it, I mean, this, this applies to some Debbie conversation we have every year, which is part of the reason why Debbie running back makes sense is because that transition from high school to college to pro Things change, but largely it's the same. Hand me the ball, watch me go. And you've been doing it since you were five years old or in peewee or whatever. It's the same sort of thing. I'm running around, you're trying to catch me in some form or fashion. And I feel like every other position, the passing game in general, a lot more nuance, a lot bigger learning curve. But running back, why it's more projectable from all those levels on up is because it's the same sort of principles all the way through. The game changes, but I think the position is a lot more static than the other ones, which makes it, well, there's a lot more good ones in the NFL that are, well, you're you're 80% as good as this guy. You know, I think that margin, and we see it sometimes with these fall-off players later in their career where they lose a step and it might as well be a mile because the rest of the, the league is caught up to you. So, you know, like Le'Veon Bell, he loses a step, huge deal, huge deal. I mean, you know, someone like Sacramento Barkley can lose a step and still be really, really darn good. So some guys have a little margin, but plenty of guys have almost no margin. And that's probably why there's also cheer at the position. There's just not a big difference between a guy that's been in the league three, four years and they're, they're good. But, you know, and then the next guy that you're going to draft in the fourth round of your 
of the NFL draft. You know, like he's coming. There's there's a new crop every single year coming for their jobs. We're wide receiver in these other spots. I mean, it's a little tougher to unseat them. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you have a general? I, I kind of laid out the you know second. I'm not super interested if it's a longer term streaming possibility, and then you know first I'm pretty interested in many cases, but that's kind of what it takes to get them off my roster. Yeah. And again, it depends on the tier, but there are some players like Chuba Hubbard, for example, if I couldn't get a first for him, I'm going to want to keep him because I think he's got longevity. He, this is a long-term injury away. Yeah. I mean, he's looked good. Exactly. And uh, so if there's a guy that is a backup now, but maybe in, in a short time, whatever, two, three years, four years, whatever the case may be, where they got a shot at the starting job, I'm not going to let them go, as I mentioned, for less than a first and maybe even a first plus something. But if it's a guy like Damian Williams or Daryl Williams, I would take a second okay. if I couldn't get a first or maybe a second and a third or something like that. Um, especially if it's a Devi league where it's a combined pick and it could be either, then that changes the equation also. Okay. So the so the mid range fill in option I think will the both Williamses they they certainly qualify because we're looking at you know somewhere in the month range there's possibility for more but that's kind of what we're looking at so that's where you would say there is a difference they probably aren't sustained multi year injury away guys that situation probably is adjusting for 2022 and beyond. So that's where you look at it. Well, this month could be the only month. Whereas you look at, say, Alexander Madison or Chuba Hubbard or some of these others, there's a more longer standing, like James Conner when he went to Pittsburgh. Like there was a longer window there of saying injury away is a possibility here. Whereas the Williams is, they're, they're looking at this next month might be the best month that ever is for them. Exactly. So guys like Tony Pollard, I would want to keep if I couldn't get the first. I mean, he right. same thing with Madison and Hubbard. And because those are also types where you say they may get to the end of their contract and go somewhere else and become a starter, be treated like a starter by the NFL. Exactly. And even like guys like Kenneth Gainwell, who is doing very well in Philadelphia, we don't, it, Miles Sanders' usage has been a big head scratcher there. But if Miles were to get banged up, I, I really firmly believe that Kenneth Gainwell could handle that job. Yeah. Um, are there any depth charts? Just kind of, we'll finish this up that, that like you have a lot of pause with that. If you see the, te- the quote unquote backup on the waiver wire, if it's like 25 man rosters, you'd be like, eh, it's not necessarily someone that I think you have to pick up. Are there any depth Houston. charts like that? Houston? Houston I would, yeah. Okay. But well, Dave, well, I don't know if there is one on the waiver wire though. I mean, with David Johnson and Phil Lindsay. There, and, yeah. There may not be. I saw some people picking up Rex Burkhead not too awful long ago. Um, most people are holding right. the other ones, but I'm just saying that if any of them were to happen to be, I wouldn't be interested. Yeah, I think the Jets is a close one too. Like Ty Johnson, for example, I discussed him this week on the on the the premium show, just saying that you're going into your buy. Michael Carter is taking over, and and I do think that is one. If you're going to float a week, floating a low level backup running back that you're like, 
you know, if, if this wasn't the case, maybe I hold through depending on options to pick up. But if you float them on their bye week because the starter can't get hurt, well, I mean, unless they do something silly, but right. that you're, you're, you have less. I like going into the week saying all my backups, there's a chance. There's an, or, you know, except for the high end guys, obviously you'll hold them no matter what. But like you would like to have every guy, okay, I got eight or nine depth charts. If there's an injury, I have like a decent chance to benefit with, with the backup running back that I have here. And float, floating a guy in a buy, just to mention it, because now it applies the next couple months, that that may be the point where you're like, I'm really squeezed, but I would rather, you know, maybe you pivot Ty Johnson to Benny Snell, you know, because. Hey, you got a chance. You got a chance that there's an injury or something like that where the Jets you really don't. Uh, independent of you know, this is a just a fabricated conversation of. Uh, yeah, Miami's uh, another one. Yeah, I, I Miami. Uh, that Miles Gaskin game this past week was one of the most quizzical ones. It looked like he was losing the job, and it was turning into some mucky, don't want any part of it committee. And then he comes out negative game script and has like ten targets and yeah. a couple of touchdowns. And now everyone, you know what his start rate is this week? It's like seventy five percent. People are going to get so screwed this week. He's going to put up. He's going to put up at seven. Watch, but anyway, that when you get geeky with start rate, that's the funny thing you see is people overreact to what happened yeah. the previous week and don't even look to see if is that sustainable, is that predictable. Um, so let's talk about sustainable and predictable, which is some of these unstoppable NFL offenses. And it started getting me thinking, like about wide receivers, tight ends, passing games in general, obviously quarterbacks, but. On what offenses, just through five weeks now, look unstoppable and uncheckable? Like these defenses, like there was a, what was the one that uh, this past week, I was trying to think of it, that, uh, um, that, oh, like Cleveland. Cleveland has a good defense and they got ripped by the Chargers. Absolutely shredded. It turned into a shootout, one of the fun games of the year. But Chargers definitely on that list. I have a few others, but just the concept of, when you can attach yourself to a stud offense, stud quarterback, like even if it's an ancillary guy, you've got a chance every week to put up a big game. It may not happen, but those are the types of ancillary plays that make some sense, even if you don't have the alpha number one wide receiver per se. Absolutely. Teams like the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, I think they're unstoppable for the most part. And you may not have CeeDee Lamb in every league, but Amari Cooper startable because of Dak, Dak can feed the ball. And uh, Dalton Schultz always yeah. gets plenty of targets. So uh, the Bills are another one. Uh, and the Rams. I love what Matt Stafford's doing this year. Even Van Jefferson's looking pretty good uh, for them. But you got Cooper Cup and then Bobby Trees, Bobby Woods. And what Woods I also start- think, I also they think. They finally started to learn how to feed him. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing I was thinking about is, is this is the only spot where I think about injury away options. Like, like you mentioned the Rams, Deshaun Jackson, he is a flyer guy on a given week. You never know if he's going to get, you know, two or three long bomb chances and can put up a hundred plus points, a hundred plus yards. He's had one of those games already. He's had another long catch. So out of five games, two of them, you know, he's posted a big deep threat. And then I was thinking about Cedric Wilson. To me, he's an injury away for Cooper, for Lamb. We'll see about when Gallup comes back. That might change the dynamic there. But or Blake Jarwin, you know, for example. I mean, one of the rare backup tight ends that you could say this guy could be top twelve. 
if the starter, and it's actually been more of a committee, but it seems like Schultz is getting all the targets. Schultz is getting the targets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So even if snaps are relatively close or whatever, Jarwin's getting ignored in the passing game and Schultz not so much. And Schultz just keeps earning more opportunities. But these are the ones where you say, if there is an injury, is there someone that this might make upside sense to take a shot on this as opposed to, you know, my third quarterback, some low, you know, Davis Mills, you know, as a, just a starting quarterback in a start one, like instead of having that, or, uh, you know, like one of these, like you mentioned, you know, maybe it's a, a Miami running back or, or somebody that doesn't make a lot of sense where you say, I don't, I can't really see big upside, but yet, you know, a Blake Jarwin or Cedric Wilson, or, uh, you know, an ancillary, maybe it's Gabriel Davis, you know, with there with the bills or so those kind of storylines could be as simple as an injury as well. Yeah. And we didn't mention Arizona, but they're another one that can put up the numbers for the wide receivers and even AJ green having that resurgence. And I think what we're outlining is all these offenses have a ton of guys that could put up big weeks. And maybe your biggest frustration with some of these teams is they spread the ball around so much, right? They aren't like Deandre Hopkins has taken a step down. And a big reason why is tons of weapons, tons of weapons, tons of places to go with the ball. And that means sometimes things get diluted, but it's to the benefit of everybody. It turns a lot of guys into wide receiver two through four plays, as opposed to maybe on other teams, you, you know, it's all centered around one wide receiver and it becomes a wide receiver one and a bunch of guys in the wide receiver eighties or nineties. That's, that could also be the environment with, without as much talent. Yeah. And the other actionable item is if you have a couple of wide receivers banged up and we're going into the bye week and you're a five and oh, four and one uh, playoff bound team, I'd look to see if the AJ green owner is out and offer him a third. He's old. People aren't going to expect too much from him and he could be a viable backup for you to have as even as just insurance. Uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, someone was asking uh, for the UTH uh, uh, VIPs uh, for some some targets in terms of deeper wide receiver plays for the rest of this year. I'm trying to dig it up real quick because uh, it was earlier. Um, but but you know one thing that we didn't we didn't mention either one of us yet. So I kind of wanted you to weigh in. Kansas City Chiefs are they unstoppable? Uh. How, how do they there sit? Is, because you, we've mentioned six of them or so, and they have not been mentioned. Right. I think they're, they're borderline. I don't know that they are as unstoppable, but Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and I think they're still going to be in a lot of shootouts. So, Michael Hardman had a pretty good game this weekend. I'd still want their ancillary pieces, yeah. I love how a career game for him was like was 70 something yards or whatever. I know he's had more yardage in the game, but I think they were referencing the number of catches or targets or something. Yeah. The first right. name I mentioned on the, on the list uh, to, to, uh, to a subscriber was AJ green. You know, he was, a, he was the first one for cheap guys. Emmanuel Sanders yeah. is another good one. Yeah. Um, Bob, you know, Bobby you mentioned Green's, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Robert Woods is another one. Uh, Brandon Cooks might be relatively cheap. He's not on, on an unstoppable team, uh, but he's that productive but older player that doesn't quite have a big shine to him. I think a lot of his targets and yards are going 
largely unnoticed with Houston this year, kind of what they're working through uh, with quarterback and just the talent level on their team. Um, yeah. Um, so the Chiefs, I mean, give me a couple more, like a couple of, what do you think is going to happen with Edwards Lair being out? Not that they were a run centric or running back centric team already. I mean, Edwards Lair was not utilized enough in the passing game, in my view, for what his skill set was and all that. So I don't, I don't know if a lot changes there, but they just strike me as a risky team that if Kelsey or Tyreek Hill miss a chunk of the year, they could be in serious trouble, in my opinion. They've got Josh Gordon now. They're all set. He got a target. He's good to go. He's already right. ingratiated in the office. You, I, I know you. we've said before, but but you don't think Gordon will be a thing, period, right? I didn't say that. Oh, you did say. Okay, so what? what is your Josh Gordon take? I think that in that offense, I would have picked him up off waiver wires just a couple weeks ago in anticipation. And I did in a couple of leagues. But now it's too late. I wouldn't go try to buy him because people will want to hold him. A, if they've been holding him for any length of time, but even if they spent waiver dollars, they want to see what's the outcome here. And it could be just a one-year thing. We'll see. But I I think he's, he's been out of football for a while, but that doesn't mean that he's done. Yeah, my biggest argument for Gordon is, well, A, the quarterback and, and the situation, but look at this wide receiver depth chart. McCole Hardman has been a disappointment. I think categorically, even if you were low on Hardman, you expected more than what we've seen in terms of snaps and targets and saying it's Tyreek Hill and it's been wide open. I know they had Sammy Watkins, but he was in and out and frankly, in and out of involvement as well. So Hardman is a second round pick going to this offense, having his speed. He's, he hasn't shown great hands. He hasn't shown great route running and Mahomes can fit it into anybody. And the fact that he's not getting the love and the fact that it still hasn't ha- happened. And people are talking about this past week of like, ah, this is when the light's coming on Pringle Demarcus Robinson. They've been disappointments. They're nomadic as well. I really think Josh Gordon, it's not impossible. No injuries on the step chart to say that in a month, he's the clear wide receiver too. Like that's not to me a stretch statement because the hurdle is like two inches off the ground. You have a day two disappointment. You have a bunch of guys that have been passed around and haven't done a whole lot. That's it. That's the whole depth chart behind Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill has a knee thing going on. Kelsey's getting banged up. The way they worked him over this past week. And, And let's face it, this is a team that, while they have big time players, those are two huge guys to try to cover. You you can get in situations where you're doubling both of them and you're playing them certain ways. And I just, they feel like a team that things are going sideways. And I know their schedule, like the next couple games are very much get right games. I think they have Washington and somebody else. I mean, they could easily put up 40 something in both games. It's like, I remember when we were talking about them at two and three, they could easily be five and three in a few weeks with, with how the schedule is lining up and stuff. But I just think that they are flawed right now because you, your offense has to be better than how bad your defense is. And I think their defense is as bad as their offense is good, which is a dangerous game that they are playing if they have any injury. So I, I do like Daryl Williams, and I, I'm really glad to see him. He's going to get an opportunity now to, to at least have some clarified starts. I have no faith in Jarek McKinnon. Uh, and I think it's a good sign 
you know, that they're not probably looking trade with somebody because they are, they, they've been signing slash they promoted Derek Gore. I think they signed Elijah McGuire to their practice squad. So they're sort of supplementing like the 49ers did, which means they're probably going to stick with their incumbent options. And I think they like Daryl Williams. He's a steady Eddie player who is already playing in third down packages later in games, doing all the solid stuff. I know he's not a flashy guy. I've said before, he's my new Alfred Blue. So, you know, of a guy that he's going to be around a while, get used to it. And he's a guy that never once between August and now that I considered a dropping or churning out or anything. He's one of those. I don't know if he's going to have a lot of running back one weeks. We will see. But if there's a running rushing touchdown for the running backs to be had, he's going to get it uh, over the next few weeks. So I think that makes him a running back too with upside just by default, yeah. especially with bye weeks and other injuries. He's a valuable player and another one we didn't really mention, you know, earlier in the show, but another one that we absolutely should. Um, all right. Uh, so finishing things out uh, for for the show and for this week, um, it could be final thoughts, but we also have some injury situations like Russell Wilson and uh, other second one, Barkley, you know, and and others. What is kind of on your mind with the dynasty news action planning for for this coming week and with rosters? Well, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be having surgery tomorrow. He won't go on IR until later this week, but that just makes Pittsburgh even more like Ben Roethlisberger is going to continue to be up and down all year, I think, but good opportunity for James Washington. And I, I know he was somebody that a lot of our listeners had rostered. So if you've got him, this may be a good opportunity to trade him for a reasonable price. And again, if not, hang on to him. But the injury bug is is hitting everybody. I hated to see the Saquon Barkley balloon, and I hope that that goes away quickly. He's such a good, hardworking guy, and he's such a valuable part to his team, but also to most fantasy rosters. I've had to do without him for a long time you know, seems like. Yeah. One thing I heard from a uh, pro football doc is that he was just kind of getting, you know, his sea legs back. We saw that week three, week four uh, with his, with his knee and this extra time is just going to keep benefiting him, you know? And, and I really thought, you know, this ramping up, we got two big games out of him. I think he was running back one or two over that two week sample size. And so really with second one Barkley, and this is why, with McCaffrey or these other unequivocal studs, you know, at their best is, you know, if you have them when it counts. And so these oscillations early in the season, they might seem like a big deal because we're living in week five land and week six land. And, you know, we're, we're thinking about our lineup because that's all we have this week. I get it. But if you can just make do, okay, I'm going to start Devonte Booker this week, or I got Daryl Williams in my number two spot. I've got Damian Williams in my flex. And, you know, if you can just get by, if you have Barkley in December and he's re- he's good to go. And especially again with that need that you know that that year two after the injury getting more and more comfortable. You got Daniel Jones back, you know, he might miss this week, but just and you get that offense healthier. It's on a mash mash unit list right now. So I mean, and look at what Kadarius Tony, like like you have a lot of potential pieces of a strong offense later in the year when everybody's ready. So if that occurs, so with Barkley, McCaffrey, these bigger names, David Montgomery, whatever, 
if you have them later, but you can just get by now, that's the best. That's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is you can survive. Maybe it costs you a bye week. But I'll tell you this if you're a five or six seed and you have these guys ready to go, and maybe you just lost a few games that you wouldn't have otherwise early in the season, you're figuring things out. But if you can get to December and, and you got a chip in a chair and you've got your studs, then I, I think you're just fine. And that's where you want to be. And if you have to win an extra game, so be it. You'd rather not. But this, so that's the, that's the important month to have these guys. And if there's oscillations in September, October, that's okay. Uh, that's sort of my final thoughts, but I'll pass it to you for official final thoughts from, uh, from the DVFW here. <laughs> well, lots of good college games and, you know, Arkansas in a big shootout with Ole Miss. It was sad to see him miss the two-point conversion, but it was a great game. Looking forward to this weekend's matchup against Auburn. Just love this time of year. College is in full swing. NFL is in full swing. Hate to see the injuries, but for the most part, I'm, I'm satisfied. And, you know, make your trades, make your moves, but it's a longer season than usual. So make sure to take that into account. Also, you could still be one and four. You still could make the playoffs. Look at your schedule and your opponents. You may have just hit the toughest part of your schedule early in the season. And unless you're really beat down by injuries, just stay steady. Excellent stuff. Do want to shout out uh, over at myfantasyleague.com. Uh, love the platform. Play most of my leagues there. The best ball contest for UTH super fans and subscribers, listeners. And we got Sid Larson this week. Uh, I talked to him a bunch. Actually met him up in Minnesota with some of the UTH meetups when I was on a tour a couple of years ago. And uh, again, shout out to Sid. I think this is probably, again, just go with the odds. First time he's ever taken down a, a top finish for the week in the contest. And actually, Sid moved into number one position in the contest by about one point over Brad Douglas. So Sid, you're on top. You had the beautiful week. Tom Brady putting up 50 for you. Zeke is in, in, in form. You got Aaron Jones. He had AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones in his lineup, both scoring uh, 15, 20 points there. You got Rondell Moore. Uh, and then talk about Mark Andrews. What a showing for him. It seemed like down the stretch, he had, he would, dare I say, CJ Uzama like in the second half and overtime of just the production he had with two point conversions, touchdowns, going for almost 150 yards, monster game. Now, what I will point out, Sid, congratulations, but you don't have the deepest roster. So these next couple months, being on top might be a tough task because you had your perfect storm, you've got a good starting lineup but not much depth behind him. He only had one running back, not in his lineup this week, five total on his roster. So enjoy it. Uh, you've only got two quarterbacks total. Let's hope Brady and Rogers stay healthy for you. And you just missed those buys, but you are treading a very thin line uh, with, with how the team builds normally work for the top teams. You normally need to come close to maxing out uh, your roster to end up taking it down. I say that only because that's what Katie does, and Katie has finished high quite a bit in the contest. But congratulations, Sid, on the finish. We've got Brad in the top five, Jamie, Grant, and Jordan uh, still posting for us in the uh, the, the quote-unquote expert uh, pool there. He is sitting at number five. All right. And uh, do remind folks, you can support the show, patreon.com slash UTH. Got Tim Torch and I talking weekly. Waiver Wire, got some bonus shows over there. And a lot of the, the premium shows, 
I do film notes into the wee hours of Sunday night, Monday morning, every single week. I watch every play, so you don't have to. If you caught three or four games, that means you missed 10. So, uh, and, and again, I'm up. It's part of my process. It's the beginning part of my analysis for advice and content for the week. To me, it's just a non-negotiable. So know that I'm up grinding on Sunday night when you've long gone to bed, and you're going to have a fresh show, hour and a half or so, every single week, breaking down what happened in the games, what you need to know coming out of it, a lot of talking points uh, that, again, go beyond the box score and who scored a touchdown this week. It talks about missed opportunities, and it talks about depth chart shifts, and uh, again, just level of play of watching every single snap of these offenses. So I, I again, I can't recommend it enough. And uh, if you've been listening to this show, you just try it out. It, it comes with a money-back guarantee. Very, very few people have needed it. So you'll sign up. You'll get all the shows uh, on your podcast app of choice, and you'll f- wonder what you did in life before that. That's that's basically all I can say. So for Katie Flower, at FF underscore Skylar399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Thank you.